Hello. How are you keeping? It's been a while. It's been, as I say in America, it's been a minute, which means that it's been a long time. It's been three weeks since I did a podcast. And just to let you know why that is, because I think it's important. Before I started doing this podcast, I said, I'm going to do one every single week without fail. But I feel like that's, well, it's not possible right now to do in-person ones every week. Also, it compromises the quality if you're rushing to get something out just to stick to an arbitrary schedule. Also, the format is something I've been thinking about changing. I was going to make it a bit snappier, shorter episodes. But what I realized is it's really important to do and to create things that you would enjoy consuming or experiencing. So although it seems like our concentration is getting more and more fragmented, we had Vine, which was if you're too uh, young for Vine, it was like a seven second clip, a bit like a loop. I suppose that's what TikTok is like. And so technology thought that humans and society's attention was going to get shorter and shorter, and that's what we wanted. But then Joe Rogan came along and said, I'm going to do three-hour podcast, four hours. He's done five-hour-long podcasts. And all of his peers said, no one's going to listen to that. And now, him having the biggest podcast in the world, he, all his peers are, st- are copying him. People are doing two, three-hour-long podcasts. Now, I know, obviously, I'm nowhere near that level. But I have noticed how fragmented my concentration is. I can't sit down and read anything these days. And I think that's because I have spent so much time scrolling, browsing. Well, now, since I've become a dad, I'm on my phone way less. And what I do in my mornings is I try to listen to something, read something, or write. Something that involves one task that you stick with for a long time. And that's when ideas and creativity can really flourish. I've started listening to Robert Greene. And he has a book, um, The Laws of Human Nature. I've just, I've just downloaded it on Audible. I think it's something like 46 hours long. So it just goes to show you, and it's got, I think, 4.9 stars out of five. So it just goes to show you that there is a thirst for long-form content. And I'm definitely nowhere uh, near as intelligent or well-read as Robert Greene. But my point is, I like to listen to things in chunks and I started the podcast because I wanted, I think context is key. Uh, A lot, well, unfortunately these days people, sometimes we take things out of context. We hear snippets of certain things and we make up a story in our head because I think it's appealing to, um, with our busy lives to just see little snippets and the highlights of, of, of life. But for our mental health and for good healthy communication 
this episode, like a lot of my episodes, which I try to create, is quite raw. And um, if you look, I mean, today my guest is Rach, my partner, and also our baby actually features today. <laughs> Doesn't say anything, but um, you know, it's the three of us here at home, so we don't have a kind of a babysitter. And we did our best to produce an episode for today uh, with minimal disruption by the Litlin. But my point is, if you see our pictures on Instagram, it's all smiley, happy, um, because that's what we like to put out there to the world. You know, that's and it, which is fair enough. Um, we want to. It's it's the highlight reel, isn't it? Which we all know that already. It's no surprise. This episode is the lowlights, the, the challenging bits of becoming a parent, and the the tears, the depression, the anxiety, all of that stuff. My hope is that you leave this experience understanding that trying to be happy is a surefire way to be miserable. The best way to find contentment in life, which I think is a better word, or maybe satisfaction or meaning, is to find responsibility. And we have that now in, a, in, in shed loads. Is that an expression? Bucket loads? A lot of responsibility. But with, I was going to say with, respons- with great power comes great responsibility. But with responsibility, um, there's going to be highs and lows. It's going to be difficult, but it's, it's worth it. So I, I, <clears throat> I hope this episode helps people. It's mainly focused on um, postpartum, which is basically what happens after you have a baby. And I know I've been talking about babies a lot lately, and but this is, I, I don't have, uh, I know it's called the Yoga Life Podcast, but as individuals, we're complex. and can't be tied down to doing one thing only there's many dimensions to our characters and this is another thing that's i think really important to remind ourselves you see some we see each other online pictures and we say this person looks like this their job title is this and they do this therefore there must be you you build it you kind of pigeonhole them which we all do that's human nature that's actually a, a survival mechanism because we have to quickly establish is this person a friend a foe are they um, someone we can relate to or not? Do or should I spend my time investing in them? But the reality is, we're very complicated, and um, because my life has shifted now, it's um, I want to represent that as truly and honestly, honestly as I can. And as I said, my priority is that you listen to this or you watch this. And you understand that uh, life is difficult, life is hard, but if you're resilient, if you understand that you can take the rough with the smooth, then it's worth it and it can be wonderful. So, I've been approached by um, a couple of people to sponsor the podcast. because I've had a few weeks off. And just to address this, I'm never going to take sponsors. 
Now, I may play this back and be like, oh, they've got, they've got a really good sponsor. Um, let me rephrase that. I can't see myself taking uh, having sponsors on this podcast again. The main reason is, and I t- talked about to Pat Divoli about this on his podcast, is I want to be completely self-sufficient. What's happened in 2020 has made me realize that you cannot rely on anyone. And that's not a, a defeatist or um, a negative point. It's a, it's a very freeing realization. It's understandable that my infant, my two-month-old child, is going to be dependent upon me. They, 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 they need me for everything, which is definitely which I'm there for. But when the child and people become be able to become dependent for themselves, it's really important we we harness that and we do as much for ourselves as we can. It's a bit like an old person's home. If you're looking after an old person or someone who can't take care of themselves, the care workers will say, "Don't do some don't do something for someone they can do for themselves." So now we've seen loads of people going out of business. So this is a really long intro. Um, and I believe that this has shown us how important it is to be self-sufficient, self-reliant. Yes, collaborating with other people is great. It's, it's not just great, actually. I think to succeed as a self-employed person, you can't do it alone. Or you're going to limit, put a ceiling on your your ability to create and produce. Collaboration is so important as well for your mental health because it's so good to work with other people. Partnering with other people is really, really great. But to not be reliant on someone else because that's not a healthy relationship. So when in regards to sponsors, <clears throat> unless I use the product, and I don't really use many products, I mean, I, I wear this, you can probably tell if you watch this on YouTube, I wear the same clothes all the time. I do wash. Um, but I don't use much stuff. I don't believe, I hate waste and just buying for the sake of it. And um, and I know some, a fair place of people who do sponsor and stuff, but I find if I am investing in my time and listen to someone or go having them in my life and then they're constantly trying to sell me something and I can see it's disingenuous I lose trust and trust is really important so because this podcast isn't sponsored I don't get paid one sorry and um maybe I should get sponsored by like uh I don't know lozenges is it lozenges the people that look after your throat um yeah if you'd like to support this podcast you can do so by going to kevinballyoga.ie forward slash membership and you can sign up for a free week's trial of my platform which is on demand movement and meditation i said in the last episode that i was going to get rid of the one week trial free trial and instead do discounts for Christmas and discounts for New Year but I've been thinking about that and again it was I was doing it because I've seen other people doing stuff like this oh January discount 
I, I don't, I'm not going to discount my stuff because I think it's the price will go up before it goes down. But I think it's very good value for money compared to. I mean, it's it's the highest quality audio video. I think the teaching's decent because I do um, plan my classes a lot and think them through quite carefully. So yeah, I'm not going to be doing a discount. I've changed my mind on that, but I'm going to keep the three weeks trial. So in essence, which I think is pretty fair. I mean, you can try it for a week. If you don't like it, you you can um, stop the membership and you haven't spent a penny or a cent. So that is the that is the format. I think I've got about fifty classes up there now, and I've added in an option to filter by the duration of class. So you can do 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or 60 minutes. And the audio meditations are going to be coming, I've got about like 20, 30 or so, I think about 20. They go from five to 15 minutes. And I'm going to, I'm having a big operation on December 2nd in regards to my chest. So I'm going to be out of action for Christmas physically. And therefore, I'm going to be doing a lot more meditations. So, yes, that's the intro. Any questions or comments, you can reach out to me at my website or Instagram. If you would like to leave a review, that would be fantastic. You can do that on iTunes. That's where it's most handy. And, and please feel free to sh feel free to share this episode. That's it. My my guest is Rachel Kinnan. She is my partner. We've been together for over two and a half years now, and things escalated. We got we got a two month old baby. We're engaged. We're in lockdown, as you maybe two of you listening to this, and it's been very difficult psychologically, emotionally, but um. Life is difficult, as I said, and we're getting through it. I hope you are too. Rach, I've, I let Rach speak uh, on this as much as I can. I'm trying to do my best to shut up and let the actual guest speak. And I think Rach is going to be on this a few more times. She's, she used to be very shy, but she's coming out of her shell quite a lot, which is really lovely to see. And um, yeah, she's got loads to share. I mean, she's a re reflexologist. I can't say that word. She does stuff with the feet. She is a massage therapist, holistic massage therapist. And now she's a mama. So, yes, this episode is long and raw, unedited. And hopefully it helps. And maybe you enjoy some of it. I, I It gets quite heavy, so I do try to lighten the mood with a few, few crass jokes. Um, you know, life is short. We're going to die one day, and I think it's important to have a bit of a laugh when we can, even if it is being a bit naughty. All right, well, thank you all for listening to this long ass intro and arse, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Without further ado, here is the lady herself, Rach. <laughs> Start. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, is it going there? <laughs> it's okay. Oh, oh the, shit, let me fix this. The arm is included? No. Okay. Hello. All right, cabbage. <laughs> I was going to say so much. <laughs> All right, cabbage. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, hello, Rach. <laughs> the wound is still fresh. <laughs> um, hi. How you doing? <laughs> don't get all shy now <laughs> come on i'm so excited you did a i'm i've become a daddy podcast i want to do a i've become a mommy podcast exactly yeah because um you said your experience obviously it's been good but it's been a little bit um highs and lows highs and lows so for example yesterday Let's full disclosure, you were like lying on the couch, crying, inconsolable, and today you're flying. Yeah, and actually I was flying about an hour before the inconsolable. <laughs> <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, I came back from the toilet and I was like, so yeah, great, yeah, love you, yeah. <laughs> see you later. And it's just, yeah. I think it's just been so shocking because I kind of flew through the pregnancy. Um, like, I had... Like the first trimester was hard with nausea and tiredness and that. Um, but the rest of it was grand. And I felt weird when people were like, oh, take this seat or oh, don't lift that. Because I felt like fine, really. Um, you know, I obviously was heavier at the end and um, there was a bit of pressure when I walked. Um, but nothing really. Like we were going to the gym and all, 39 weeks pregnant. I was actually, re that was actually really funny, I thought. I was only thinking back about that the other day because I was about 38, 39 weeks and we were still going to the gym every couple of days and you had uh, broken ribs. <laughs> it was like the state of the two of us in the <laughs> gym. Because you were like, like, I can't lift this way, turn this way. And I'm like holding my belly. And you know, there's obviously only like three other people in the gym looking at us, men, muscly men. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> What are they doing? But yeah, I mean, even uh, like again, full disclosure, like we had, you were in labour and we had sex. It's <laughs> <laughs> true though. So you were basically fully functional. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh my god. Sorry, but but really, because uh, you hear so many things about, and obviously everyone has different experience when they're pregnant. Some people have easier pregnancies than others. Mm. But um, I would say yours in whether whatever reason and the many reasons was relatively easier than most you know it definitely was like i've heard so many stories of women who were uh who got arthritis who got diabetes high blood pressure spots here and um, marks here you know um mental illnesses all this type of stuff and not and then issues with the baby there's loads of stuff that can happen during pregnancy but nothing happened um so why do you think it's important then? Why are you so compelled? Because you're quite, you, like I was going to say you're a shy person, but this goes back to saying, we were talking about um, Eckhart Tolle, you know, uh, I saying I am, and then you identify as that. So let me rephrase that. You have experienced shyness before, right? Yeah. But today you were like, I really want to do a podcast because <laughs> I want to get things off my chest. Why do you feel compelled to share? Um, so like I say, the jump from pregnancy to post-pregnancy was really dramatic. Like it was such a huge change and I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, and it's 
shook me quite a bit um, and made me feel vulnerable and lo- a range of um, emotions. And the experience was nothing like what I thought it would be. Um, and it kind of leaves a bit of uncertainty, unbalance. Um, I don't know, a lot, there's a lot of, um, a lot of uh, thoughts and emotions that are like stuck on me that I just keep repeating and repeating and repeating to you because you're like the only person that you can really talk to in COVID times. Um, and actually, I think coming on the podcast and just talking about becoming a parent um, and what this fourth trimester has been like will kind of be the equi- equivalent of me writing it in my diary and mm-hmm. um, getting it off my chest and kind of throwing it away almost not uh, like it kind of does two things I think because for one one thing that it does is it give it'll give me an outlet like a release to kind of say this is my experience um, like I remember I was talking today about when I was in school we used to do a meditation class once a week and the teacher used to give you a stone um, when I was doing my leave insert and you had to you closed your eyes you did the meditation and you put all your worries into that stone and then at the end of the class you like threw it away mm. um, and it was just like that's gone I've dealt with that emotion and now I've let it go and I can move forward um, so it's kind of doing that for me but also I think it's important to talk about your experience um, like the good the bad and the ugly so that someone else who might listen to this can kind of go oh like that's the way it was for her maybe that could be the way it'll be maybe that uh, I'm I might experience stuff like that you know they'll have a bit more of what to expect mm. because I think because pregnancy was quite easy I expected the aftermath to be quite easy um, and nobody really prepares you for it because everybody just says get some sleep sleep when you while you can while you're pregnant uh, you're not going to get any sleep and then even when you have the baby, how's your sleep? Sleep, sleep, sleep. <laughs> and it's like, sleep was like so low on the list of things that I was like trying to s- deal with and struggle with. Um, like, I don't care. Like, oh, I got three hours. Uh, and then a while later, I got two hours. I'm like, whatever. Um, I think when you meet someone on the street, there are certain topics of conversation that are acceptable. The weather. covid and sleep if you're speaking to a parent yeah they're hardly going to ask you about your mastitis or or anything else that's more personal so maybe that's just people trying to empathize but not wanting to be too personal because that's all i heard that's all i heard as well um so what have you learned then well what do you mean? What have I learned? What have you learned from in your post? What have you experienced in post? Post is called postpartum. Yeah. Um. Well, the first thing was labor. Um, like you say, it was actually labor was a shock in itself because, <clears throat> like, I woke up. It's real funny how it started because I woke up at three in the morning, like. Uh, like the day before I went into labor, we went on a hike and everything. I felt completely <laughs> fine. Yeah. And uh, actually, we got lost in the hike. And, and uh, secretly in my mind, I was like, oh my God, what if I go into labor? Because yeah. that was my due date on the 12th. 
was like, God, what if we go into la- if I go into labour in the woods and we can't get out of here? <laughs> and uh, later on, you said the same thing. It was like, oh my God, this and like it just dawned on me half out the mountain. God, and Alfie there and all. No tells. I'm too scared. Anyway, um, so I felt completely fine. Went to bed. Woke up at three in the morning and I was like, oh, I feel like a, a bit like kind of period pain. I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. This is the best. I'm re- like, I think it's because I did so many um, hypnobirthing courses and uh, all this positive stuff. I read positive birth stories and watched all this. Everything was positive, basically. And even uh, other women, when I talked to them, they're like, oh yeah, it's kind of like intense period pain, you know? And so I had no fear about labor, like at all, really. As in you didn't think it was going to be labor? No. I thought like, on the hypnobirthing course, they compare it to running a marathon. They're like, you know, um, oh, okay. it's a it's an, it's a workout. It should feel like a workout. There should be no pain or anything. Um, so I was kind of expecting. I like exercise anyway. So I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> grand. Um, but I woke up going, oh, my God. And I went, I was like trying to go back to sleep. It was like Christmas, you know, coming. Um, <laughs> that excitement. And I woke up then. I, I remember waking up at eight and being like, oh, my God, Kevina. Uh, and then, you know, it was, I did actually a load of cleaning. I thought, you know, if I'm going to go into labor today, when I come home, I want it to be clean. Like, what if Kevin doesn't clean the house? <laughs> so I actually, sorry. So I um, did like a load of dishes and w- like, I don't know what I did, a load of cleaning. Even though at the end, you kind of do a bit of, uh, what do they call it, nesting, where mm. you just clean and clean and clean. So I was doing all that all day. And then I had a shower. I was like, you know, I better be clean for when I go. <laughs> all these weird things. Um... And then, yeah, Kevin went, you went off for, to your mom's for dinner because it was a Sunday. We always go there for dinner. And you're like, I'll bring yours back. I was like, yeah, I'll just chill here and watch a, move, watch a movie. And then I had the dinner and I had a bath. Oh my God, a bath. Anybody that's like having a baby, have a, like, have a bath before you go to the hospital. It's amazing. Like, yeah. It's actually, oh, it's a game changer. Like I could feel the contractions coming. Mm. Um, they weren't that intense. It's like period pain coming and going and I thought in my head um normally with a period you get the pain constantly and this is like intermittent so this is even better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah and then we had sex and um you know that was kind of weird <laughs> but it was like you know and, and I thought this is grand like um it brings on the labor isn't it it brings on the labor you're welcome so <laughs> <laughs> Because um, during labour, it's all geared by your hormones. Your hormones cause your uterus to contract to help push the baby out. Um, and the hormones that make it work, uh, one of the, the key ones is oxytocin, which is a love hormone. And it's all like it's the same hormone you get when you have an orgasm. So if you've got more and more oxytocin, more hugs, you're, mo- you're more relaxed, mm. um, brings on the labour quicker. So uh, I think that's why they do loads of breathing techniques and, you know, relaxation techniques and all this sort of stuff. But then uh, when we went to the hospital, um, we went, oh yeah, it was real casual. It was like, will we go to the hospital? Will we go for a walk? And I was like, might as well get to, might as well just check and see how I am. And then, you know, if they say like, I, I was expecting them because I was expecting them to say, oh, you're like half a centimeter dilated because I felt like grand. Um, I 
just went to see the progress and then I was like oh it's beside Marion Square we can, and it was a nice day we'll go for a nice long walk and I can do some lay on the grass and do some breathing and mm. can just stroll back in when it gets more intense but um when I got to the hospital they were like oh yeah you're almost three centimeters uh, two to three centimeters and then they broke my water straight away and um all of a sudden they were like oh it might come on a little bit faster and still I was like, yeah. And they're like, wow, you have such a good pain threshold to make it this far by yourself. And I was like, it's going to be grand. The slave's going to be grand. She said, do you want the epidural? I'll give it to you now. I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to get an epidural. I'm not going to get any interventions, nothing. Um, and then she said, okay, well, you want to go natural and your first time, mom. It can take a while, so you better um, get walking around, do squats when you feel the contraction. I was like, just go on, I've been doing squats for ages, cause gearing up for this moment. Mm. And we go on a walk down the hall. And I'm like, I feel a contraction coming. And I do the squat into it. And then I'm, I'm gone. I'm like, ah, <laughs> on the floor. I was yeah. like, it was so intense. Um, Like, it was painful. But I think actually, because it came on so strong, so quickly. So, like, I just wasn't prepared for how quickly and intense experience was um and then i was afraid i couldn't catch my breath and actually the fear of the midwife was awful because straight away like i only just did my um i only just came in and she was like okay we're gonna break your waters because you're going if unless you're going like because you're going to go natural and without any interventions you need to walk you need to squat you need to hurry along otherwise we're going to get you a drip otherwise we're going to do this and I was like, oh, my God, I have so much pressure. She kept following me, like, stand Social up. pressure. Yeah, like, yeah, social pressure. But also, because I wanted to do it naturally, I was afraid that she would force me yeah. to do something I didn't want to do. So I was like, God, I better move. If I don't start walking around, she might, like, inject me with something or whatever. <laughs> I had this, like, I don't know, like, nervousness. Mm -hmm. And I think, actually, that caused a lot of... Um, pain like the fear yeah. of jesus she's chasing me and i remember what, like because I, I was like lying on the floor I was like, oh my god i wasn't expecting this and then she comes up behind me and i thought um oh my god she's behind me she's gonna make me stand up oh my, i have to stand up and mm -hmm. just having someone over you um when you're in a vulnerable situation is really difficult and before that moment, I was completely dealing with the contractions fine. And it was only then where I went, oh, God, this is intense. I'm not I'm not at that point yet. And she's like, stand up, squat. You can't be lying down, you know. And she's kind of, you know, the way nurses are. I know that actually does great generalization, but like they're great. But they have kind of a manner of, and obviously it's needed. Like, you know, I'm going to look after you. Take this top off. Take your medicine. You know, mm. kind of firm but fair. Because they see it every day. For you, it's a one-off experience, first time in your life. Yeah. So, it's understandable that they have a system, and for you, it might seem a bit like you're being rushed. Mm. But they probably know probability-wise what works best. Yeah. So, but I hear what you're saying. I felt like, oh, that was a huge thing. The um. It, with the labor but anyway the contractions were like dun 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 back to back and i was like <laughs> we were just like when a woman walked it from the room i was like kevin how am i gonna get back i'm gonna get make it back to the room because my whole body you feel it in your whole body 
it's kind of hard to explain but the intensity the rush is like and when they're back to back it's like how am I gonna I can't lie this way or that way or stand this way it's Mm. you're like I'll carry you back but anyway making (laughs) it back to the room and you just change like labor from that moment it was like that moment where I did that squat everything just went completely different um anyway and then labor progressed and pushed the baby out and um uh sorry labor went on and pushed the baby out and uh which was challenging it, it was hard to like i say be around somebody who's kind of looking over you and hurrying you up you know like someone compared um having a baby to doing a really big poo (laughs) um you know like you're more comfortable like we we go to the toilet alone and we take our time if someone is standing over you going come on come on come on you're like i can't do it i'm uh, uh, uh." and it'll be more awkward and painful and you'll be in the wrong position and you know Mm. which makes really makes sense and actually when you got to the pushing point there was like a feeling of relief because um I'm like, I'm in this position now. She's not going to move me. I don't have to walk. I don't have to... I'm like kneeling over the bed. And this is where I am. And even though the intensity was coming on and off, I felt like I can kind of breathe when I need to breathe a little Mm -hmm. bit more than I have to be on the floor. Should I be in all four? Should I be on my back? Whatever. Um, It was like, okay, this is where I am. And then there was the... You have to push, which was very scary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and you're kind of like I felt like a different person. The labour was shocking. I've we have friends that are nurses and they're great, but what I really noticed was the language that was being used. We had a tape on that was saying um, positive affirmations with the birthing tape. You know, it's like your body knows what it needs to do. <laughs> you, it will let nature run its course. You and all this kind of stuff. And you had that in the background, and at the same time, the nurse was saying, the, she must have said the word pain 50, 100 times. It was like pain. pain. Uh, how's the pain? If you can't handle the pain, uh, we can reduce the pain. Pain. And I thought, stop saying the word pain, because now what you're thinking pain. What can't you say? Sensation or uh, feeling or something instead. And it was very much like on a timeline. I felt I'm in an awkward position because I'm trying to, coach you or it was more like just say positive things to you and I but yeah it's not my place to intervene Mm. and but I did notice the nurse because I'm I kind of I notice things like that those especially when you're a teacher you want to use positive reinforcement positive language and she would say things like if this doesn't happen in 15 minutes we're going to do this so you're like I've got to do this in 15 minutes I I don't know if it's going to happen or not like push the head out for example um but I do remember, yeah, you kept going to the toilet thinking you need to have a poo. And <laughs> and like as you were like, everything you said, I was like, go on, yes, girl, come on, you can do this, darling. Come on, come on. And then you were like, you were like, it's going to come out of my ass. I said, I said, let it come out your ass. <laughs> and the nurse kind of looked at me like, excuse me? That's terrible advice. <laughs> Actually, that was how they knew that it was the pushing part because I kept going to the toilet. And um, like to get relief. I remember going to the toilet like... <laughs> I'm going to regret all this conversation probably. Uh, every, like, you know, <laughs> like, so that's so Do you know what I realised? I woke up this morning after doing a Pat podcast with Pat Divoli. And when I'm on someone else's podcast, it's like when I wake up the next day, it's the same way you wake up after a night out and you go, 
fuck, I said that. That's how I feel every time I'm on... we should have drinks. <laughs> <laughs> every time I'm on someone else's podcast, I, with the person asking the questions, just chills. The yeah. person answering them is like, oh no, no, I've said this now, I can't take it back. I know, and so, it's so intimate what I'm, we're talking about. But I, I actually know. think it's important because... Definitely. Um, I really, it did help me to read positive stories and look at them. And I still think, I do think it was positive, the labour. But uh, I actually wanted to go to the toilet to get away mm. as well. I was like, get me away from this woman. I need some privacy. Oh my <laughs> God. Really? Yeah, I, yeah. I'll have to think about what I want for my next uh, labour. But that shocked me quite a bit. The, the woman standing over me. I thought they just left you alone to labour. But I, it came on very quickly. Like I, we were in there at like half four or something. Was it? Mm. Oh, we were in the. Oh, it was quarter to five. I remember looking at the log, and she was born at twenty past six. It was like an hour and a half. Yeah. From like, so it just escalated quite quickly, which I obviously wasn't prepared for, and I got a bit of a shock. At one point, I was like, "Give me an epidural, yeah. <laughs> please, please," <laughs> just because I was like, "This is so overwhelming," and um, and then when I got to the push stage, I was like, "Just give me a C-section. I'll just deal with this later. I can't deal with this." Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Pushing him was scary because, y- yeah, y- anyway, it's just, yeah, it's sore and you actually have to physically do it. It's like you're hurting yourself. Well, you said it was the worst pain you've ever experienced. Mm. So, so that's thumbs it, that sums, that sums <laughs> it up. But it's actually pain, but it's, you're doing the pain yourself. And it's a weird yeah because it's you don't have to, it's almost like you could yeah it's it like you're, you're stabbing yourself or something you know it's not like i have an illness or something you're yeah. actually doing it um but in a weird way the, the contractions are intense and um the pushing is a different feeling to the contractions so it was like i'm getting relief from the contractions but now i have a different it was like be- being between a rock and a hard place it was like if i don't push i'm gonna get this if I do push, I'm going to get this. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, she was born. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Straight away. Because you have so much adrenaline. And when she's out and she's crying, they twirl you over. And you're sitting on the bed. And then, boom, they just plonk you on her, on your chest. Which is important for breastfeeding or just creating a bond. And calming the baby and calming you. But, like... After being on such an adrenaline high, coming down from that so quickly, I was like shaking like a leaf. Even though I didn't have, like someone said to me, wh- if you get an epidural, you, you get like shakes and that. Mm. I didn't have any interventions. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this baby's not safe here. Mm. I was like, I didn't even, I couldn't even look down. You were like, oh my God, crying. And, uh, no, I won't. <laughs> and you're like crying going, this is the best moment of my life. And I was like, what was going on it was so uh like an outer body experience and i didn't feel like i was there and then they kind of mess with you you have to like deliver the placenta and stitch you up and it's kind of like get away from me and i'm tired and you know the it it is good though because the pain and the intensity goes straight away once the baby's born but at the same time although you felt that pressure and i felt a bit um frustrated with the language that was being used you are so grateful to them because you're so vulnerable and they're doing something that's really important it's weird isn't it it's like i'm really grateful for you for helping us here and you just your eyes are like two saucers and you just try like anything they tell you to do you do it like pick that up i just i was like a little um gopher (laughs) doing things but 
but I, I with any experience like that, it's it's important to critique it and understand yeah. how could it be uh, optimized. Well, actually, afterwards, I found out about Hollis Street that they have this like I don't know what the name of it is like time management policy or something or active time policy for labor they basically don't let you go into labor or stay in labor for more than i don't know whether it's eight hours or something um and actually it's kind of scary like they have i've read quotes from uh i can't remember the guy's name that runs the hospital and they're kind of along the lines of you know a hospital is a business we need to get people moving um, that's why we have this policy and that's why straight away they broke my waters I didn't know that that was the first stage of induction um, and that's why things progressed so quickly and I wasn't able to handle it and then I don't know it was probably you or I listened to it on your podcast <laughs> but um, said something along the lines of if you have an induction it's the reason why it's more painful is because it's sped up and your oxytocin level ha- isn't um, sped up as quickly Mm-hmm. so your body's like jumped six steps um physically but the hormone side is still on step two the natural pain killers the haven't caught up yeah. yeah so it's um more intense and mm. you're yeah you don't have the natural painkillers whatever but they do that to every woman that goes in because i've talked to like my aunties and other people that have had babies there um so i don't know like i don't really agree with that time policy thing because that's i did feel that really intensely and i was like maybe this is covid or i don't know because they want to get people out mm. um but i was straight away you know if you're if you're not dilated by a cent whatever centimeters in an hour you're going to be on a drip and i was yeah. like oh my god and that was just on arrival they're like well done you've come in at two three centimeters now if you're not and then the centimeter in an hour like within the and i was like <laughs> oh my god and you were so vulnerable like yeah. you know they say that about you know i you know they do say when you're in labor you're vulnerable that's why you need the support person, um, and like it's a do- ha- like a doula, a doula or your partner. Oh, yeah. And it's actually really sad at the moment with coronavirus that men can't come into the last minute because they are really important. You really, really need support during labour. Like you just one hundred percent need support. Mm. Like I had an uncomplicated, relatively uh, straightforward uh, labour that was mm. fine with no interventions or problems or whatever. But, you know, women, they have to make serious decisions and they're in a really, really vulnerable state. Like, like you're in a state where y- the intensity is in your body is so high. You're like, how do I stand, sit, move? Uh, and y- everything is unknown. It's all, all, you're, f- you're afraid because you're like, I don't know what's going on in my body or what's next. Or, and these people, I'm at the will of these people. And hopefully they have good intentions and they have the same intentions as me because my partner is not here to advocate for me. It's actually disgraceful. But it's the government deciding that, not the hospital. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's awful, to be honest. Really sad. Um, But anyway, from that point point where that contraction, everything went from being really easy before pregnancy to being like really difficult. And um, I remember the next day, so you went home because you, you're only allowed to stay for an hour or two. Um, and I was like, God, I'm so tired after basically being up from three in the morning the night before, going through the labour, and now I have this baby. And they put you in the in the ward, and you're like, I have to... I was breastfeeding, and I was like, okay, 
they have to breastfeed every two hours and she's not latching and I'm so tired and you can't really sit because you're, you're sore from labour and the a- afterwards you're like tender and vul- you're still vulnerable and um, everything's just all over the place um, and you're by yourself because your partner can't stay mm. and uh, nobody can come and visit. So you're just there alone with a baby going, mm. oh my God, what do I do with this baby? How do I hold the baby? What's safe? How do I dress a baby? How do I change your nappy? Um, how am I going to breastfeed? Breastfeeding was so hard. I was like, she's not, she latched, but she didn't suck. And um, they were like, just give her bottles, just give her bottles. And I was like, I don't want her to have a bottle. Oh, she's feeding, she's feeding. Did they say that? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They were like, give her a bottle. Um, you can figure it out tomorrow. And anything I read about breastfeeding was like, at the start, you need to make sure that they, they don't get a bottle because mm. um, they need to learn and they'll start wanting a bottle instead of you or whatever, you know, and your milk has to regulate or something, I don't know, along these lines. And I was like, oh my God. Um, I was like, had the curtain closed. So I was like, yeah, she's feeding. And I just basically all night was just trying to get her to latch, keeping her going, blah, blah, blah. And at one point I did give her a bottle. Because I was like, I don't know how, you know, and you're so sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but um, the v- after labor, physically, it was really hard. Like, like I say, during pregnancy, fine. And people are really, how are you? How are you? How are you? And after you have the baby, people are just, oh my God, the baby's so cute. Oh, you've lost the weight. It's like all they care about. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like hanging on by a thread I'm dead inside <laughs> help me but uh god you're like um I went I remember going to the bathroom they wake you up like after six hours or eight hours or whatever it was the middle of the night whatever the time limit is they must have to get you to shower at a certain point for whatever reason maybe they were getting reduced risk of infection or something I don't know but she woke me up and one of the midwives woke me in the middle of the night and they're like, okay, you have to go have a shower. And I was like, okay. And I looked at my phone and I was like, oh my God, it's like four in the morning. What's going on? Um, and when I went to the bathroom, I was like, oh my God. I looked in the mirror. I was like, oh my God, my face. I've never looked so awful. It was like blo- broken blood vessels all over my face. My eyes were like hanging down. I was like, oh my God, I'm in bits. And you're so, um, your body is so, f- you feel this fragility it's like I'm I'm scared to like lift my hands too much or open my legs too much or you know everything is like you have to be really delicate with yourself like in a, a way that I've never experienced you know like when you're pregnant they say be careful with yourself mind yourself be delicate and you're like yeah <laughs> I'm whatever but after you have the baby straight away it was like oh my god I can't move this way how will I sit really slowly like maneuvering and I, and since from then it was like I'm so fragile my body is all over the place you've got like tenderness and you're swollen and <laughs> you're afraid to close your jeans and your stomach is like soft and when you're holding the baby you're like trying to mind yourself but also mind the baby and then figure yeah it was just the um that was a huge experience how quickly your body changes after having a baby it was like insane Sorry, I talk for a reason. Talk about there. talk about <laughs> breastfeeding. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, 
This is tough. You need a rest. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you need a rest. Okay. <laughs> well, um, so it's, well, you take a rest and take a drink. <laughs> we are drinking peppermint tea. And this is not a coincidence. The house is full of peppermint tea. That's our baby. Um, why is that, Rach? <laughs> why are we drinking so much peppermint Why are you drinking so much peppermint oh tea? Oh my God. I think after this, I'm never going to have peppermint tea <laughs> or cabbage. Peppermint and cabbage. Did you not go together? Like, have you ever had a meal that's like, oh, I'll have peppermint and cabbage soup? No, they just they just don't match like at all. And for some reason, they help you with uh, weaning off breastfeeding, and it's disgusting. Mm. Like, I'm like covered in peppermint. Like, you know, it's like I say, the surprise of uh, the fourth trimester. Like, if you would have said to me when I was 36 weeks pregnant, oh, you know, in a couple of months' time, you're going to be like covered in cabbage and potatoes <laughs> and uh peppermint oil and wondering when you showered last and you know whatever mm. uh, counting the hours between when you've fed her and uh crying to someone about your a stranger about your nipples it's like what <laughs> <laughs> i'm like that's not me at all i'm not gonna have a like that but uh oh my god Breastfeeding has been insane. It's been so hard. So hard. I think it must be like, like, you know, we talk about pregnancy and I'm, I'm like, I sailed through pregnancy and mm. uh, other women have really struggled. It must be just like that with breastfeeding as well. Because my neighbour is breastfeeding and she's sailing through it, no problems. Well, I say sailing through it, like having a newborn is really challenging um, so there's no sailing, <laughs> but and obviously she's cruising, she <laughs> oh, <laughs> cruising. But uh, and obviously breastfeeding, you're doing all the feedings yourself and you're wrecked, and it's you do it um, a lot more than bottle feeding, like at closer intervals. So it's obviously challenging. But she hasn't had any like um, physical issues with breastfeeding. I'm so jealous. Oh my god! And this is what uh, maybe if I was pregnant. And I was having issues and somebody else was like sailing through. I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 it's actually like uh, I, we watched What to Expect when w- you're, what to expect when while you're expecting the when movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they had d- these two women and one of them was like wearing high heels, pregnant with twins. She's like, oh, I'm going to go to my yoga lattes. And oh, I have loads of energy now that I'm pregnant. I <laughs> must, I just have that glow. And the other one is like, oh, I've got back knee and I can't lift my legs. Back knee? Yeah, back acne. Oh. <laughs> um, and she's like, I hate her. <laughs> I have like a bit of that envy. I'm like, oh. <laughs> With breastfeeding, because, oh my God, it was, it's been so challenging. Why has it been challenging? Um, It has been challenging because I've been very sick with it. Um, when you breastfeed, you, could, you can develop um, an infection. Mm-hmm. Um called mastitis Mm -hmm. and i've gotten that four times now and that is four times in seven weeks like it's my mum had it once and said it was unbearable so you've had it four times which is crazy yeah and it's just been when you're sick for that long it's very hard for someone who's never sick it's like why am i so sick why Mm. i know I got to a, uh, there got to a point where I was like, maybe there's something like wrong in my body. 
maybe I'm like secretly dying of cancer and my body can't regulate itself. Like what's going on? Really? Like why am I so sick? Yeah, mm. it was awful. Like the first two times, well, I say I had it four times. I, I had it three times, but one of them was a double. So. Double whammy. We'll, ca we'll carry on, I'll grab, so I'll grab her. Yeah, Sorry. okay. I'll figure out how to edit this. Okay, so will I talk, not talk? Yeah, you carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time I had um, oh mastitis, it was a double, and I didn't even realise that I had it. Basically, the sim the symptoms of it are um, you get uh, quite engorged, which is like fullness in your boobs, and it's uh, you get uh, you get a quite a sore spot, um, and the pain uh, radiates from. Is that right if I just do this? Yeah. Go on. Is she okay? Yeah. Right. She's good. Um, sorry. And the, so, what was I saying? Oh, the yeah. Pain radiates. Pain radiates from that spot outwards. Uh, it's really sore. And um, you get like a red patch. But you also get like a, a fever and then you get chills. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like... Um, a flu without the cough and cold. You, you know, you've got the weakness, the tiredness, the um, dry throat, the, um, the the hot and the cold, and then you've got this pain and the fullness, the engorgement. And when the baby feeds, it's really painful. And actually, the treatment for it is to feed the baby often. Um, because basically, what it is, is when you have a load of milk and the baby can't drain all the milk and it's staying in there, you get a clogged duct and, um, and that that's not being released mm. and the tissue around it gets a bit inflamed and um, the inflammation um, is the infection, basically. It causes these symptoms. Um, and it's, also, it's also worth saying that you had um, the baby was tongue-tied. Oh yeah, I get, I get, yeah. I'll oh, get you get to that. that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. <laughs> but uh, just about mastitis first. Okay. Um. So it's quite painful, and you're trying to like. Yeah. So you basically feed the baby, and then if the flu-like symptoms don't subside, you have to get antibiotics for a um, minimum of ten days, um, to fight it off, because it it can get quite serious. Um, like if it's not drained, uh, uh like the end of the line is like you have to get it surgically removed the mm. lump or get it syringed or something along these lines um, but anyway I got it straight away I got it uh, when as soon as my mil your milk comes in a couple of days after you have the baby which is weird you get like full and gorge and stuff um, and I basically got it straight away on mm. one side and then got it on the other side uh, right after and I thought I didn't actually know that I had it. First off, I um, I chalked everything down because I chalked everything down to different things because I thought, okay, well, uh, the pain. Everybody says breastfeeding is painful, so maybe that's what this pain is. Yeah. My milk has just come in. You're supposed to get engorged, so that's obviously what that engorgement is. Um, I'm getting hot and cold, like a fever and chills. And I remember reading about postpartum that you can get night sweats and stuff. And I was like, God, this must be postpartum uh, stuff that's going on with me. Um, you know, I'll just I'll push through it and push through it. And uh, 
they say after at the first two or three weeks are the hardest so once I get by that it'll be grand I didn't know that I actually had like a really serious illness mm. and at one point I actually uh, collapsed in the middle of the night and that was we had a couple of visitors the first week and I said no more visitors because I thought it was the visitors making me exhausted and making me sick and I was like God, these, I can't I don't know what's wrong with me I can't handle visitors as soon as they're gone I'm like in loads of pain and exhausted and um, it was actually the fact that I was had disinfection yeah. um, but didn't know and I think that really boils down to the fact that there's not much support for breastfeeding or not much no. knowledge at all like um I really should have known that I was sick. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I don't know if it's naivety on my side, but I, I felt like, you know, and, and I saw a lot of people during the time that I had the mastitis and nobody was like, you know, you're really sick. Like I went to the public health nurse and I was like woo, woozy when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, yeah, you can get tired after having a baby, get baby brain. Cause I wasn't making too much sense. I remember thinking, Baby brain. Baby brain. You know, yeah, because you're so tired. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're kind of like this uh, exhausted zombie-like state. Um, And I said, she said, how's it going? And I said, well, it's really painful. And as soon as I said that, they're like, yeah, most people find it painful. You get over it, like, eventually. And I was like, okay. Well, that's obviously what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. I also, the same week, saw a lactation consultant in Hollis Street. And the reason why I went is because they told me that she, uh, Eve had jaundice. And I had to feed around the clock, basically, to get to drain it off. And they scared the life out of me because they said, if you don't get rid of the jaundice, you might get brain damage. I Jesus, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I was like, feed, 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 feed. So I fed her and fed her and fed her. And um, I fed her, fed her, fed her. And, I, and I, I thought, okay, just keep it going. And obviously me feeding her all the time, um, she gained weight. So that's all anybody saw. Like when I went to the lactation consultant, they're like, oh, she's gained a load of weight. That's great. And I'm like, well, I'm really sore. And they're like, oh, yeah, you'll kind of get over. Maybe you need to improve the latch. And she was, and then with that lactation consultant in Hollow Street, they have like a load, th- load of women in different pockets of the room. So they're kind of coming and going and coming and going. And um, I was like, okay, I was only seen for here a bit here and there. So I wasn't really fully seen. And I remember saying you know she was like oh yeah she's latching she's sucking she's she's okay and she's on to the next one you know and i said i think i have trush and she, and she was like oh you probably don't and i was like well i've been reading the symptoms and i think i have it and i had oral thrush she's like oh how do you know that's even oral thrush and i was like well i do but anyway <laughs> uh she tested the milk she said i'll get back to you on tuesday um with the results and i was like okay I'll, uh, I, uh, but she was like, you probably don't. And she wasn't great, like, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I left. So anyway, I left and I thought, okay, well, she's latched fine. She's gained weight. So John just must be going down. That's all I really cared about. I was like, is she okay? Is she okay? And I was like, breastfeeding is painful. It's obviously, what, you know, whatever. When your ba- baby has a yellow face, it's very disturbing. <laughs> It is. And um, so anyway, I just like soldiered on, got on one side, got on the other. And I was like, this is obviously my milk regulating. Um, And then I kind of got a little bit better because basically because the treatment is feed her all the time. And I was doing that. I was able to like fight it off myself for that. 
And then I was like, God, my milk's starting to regulate. Things are starting to come around. And then a couple of days, and I didn't have any visitors for a few days. I was like, I obviously need to not have any visitors and spend some time in bed. And then I got it again a couple of days later after be feeling okay. And I thought, and I saw a visitor that time. Like, God, the visitors are just killing me. <laughs> um, like I've I haven't seen anybody in a few days, and I've been okay. And now I've have have a visitor, and I've cleaned the house a bit, and suddenly I'm really sick. Like, oh God, postpartum is hard. I'm obviously not able for, uh, not able for this vi- this visitor stuff. So I c- stopped that again, fed her again, cured myself, not knowing that I actually was suffering. And then uh, the third time I got it. I was like I, I felt okay and then I got it again and I was like I'm at breaking point I'm I like and I didn't actually realize that I had it until uh one of the neighbors that Kevin knows uh Sinead came over um because I was like oh my god I just want to jump off the bridge I feel so sick and so tired postpartum is too hard breastfeeding is killing me I don't know what is going wrong um and she said that I had the symptoms of mastitis um, and told me about it um, she told me loads of tricks about like how to heal yourself and um, you know I, I I was like okay um, so I did a couple of things I, I did I did the stuff that she said and it did uh, and it kind of went away and then it came back again the redness and the pain oh my god that time I was sleeping in the in Eve's room with Eve, and Kevin was in his room and I, no. uh, in our room. That was Rachel's suggestion. <laughs> I was like, someone should get some sleep because then you can mind me because I needed so much minding being like so all over the place, so fragile and so sick. And um, he basically did everything. I remember thinking, God, how do women cope when the men go back to work after two weeks? Because there's no way I could cope. Um and anyway uh when it flared up and i was in that room in the middle of the night i was like eve has to feed i have to feed eve i better go to the toilet and i woke up in a sweat i was so hot and i got out of bed it was like coming out of a sauna it was so dizzy i was holding onto the walls trying to get to the toilet i was like i'm gonna collapse oh my god i feel awful and i came back to the room and i was like i'm so cold and I uh, picked, I was like god i better pick eve up and keep her in bed with me because i might even drop her because i feel so weak and uh, oh, it was rough. The night, it was the pain was unbearable. Um, it was really bad at that point because uh, for loads of reasons. And anyway, just with the mastitis thing, I went to the GP the next day. Kevin was like, "You better go to the doctor." It was a Saturday, so I had to go to the whatever they're called, the Saturday doctors, and uh, not your regular doctor. What are they called? Rock doctor. Rock doc. Rock, rock doc, whatever. Um, no, D-Doc. D-Doc. And now because of coronavirus, you have to like phone, do a phone consultation before coming in because they obviously don't want a load of people coming in. They might be like, oh, you'll be grand with paracetamol or something for whatever people's problems are to reduce the numbers. Anyway, so I ra- when I was doing the phone consultation, I told them about the symptoms. I said, I think I have ma- I, I have mastitis. I've had this a few times and fought it off, but I'm so broken and wrecked and I need the antibiotics this time. Can I come in and get them? She said, I think you should go to the hospital because it sounds like you have lymph something. 
lymph tracking or something like this. Lymphona in it? No. no. What's the what's the thing with blood poisoning? Uh, sepsis. No, that's not what she said. She said you have a oh. uh, blood lymph tracking and it's quite serious. Um, and I'll, whatever. And I said, oh, okay. Um, I rang Hollis Street and they wouldn't do anything. They, they were like, no, you're over six weeks. So six weeks and two days, something along those lines. And they were like, no, once you're off over the six-week point, you can't come in, you have to go to a general hospital um, or go to the GP. And when I rang the doctor back, she said, okay, come on in and I'll do an assessment. When I went in for the assessment, oh my God, she scared the life out of me. She was like pacing the room. Oh my God, your oxygen level is low and your heart rate is, is too high. Or the D-Doc. Yeah, the D-Doc. She was like, oh, your heart rate is at this level. And oh God, your oxygen level is this level and uh, your blood pressure and you're very warm and your temperature is so and so and she's like okay uh, you need to go into the hospital and I was like what, what? she's like this could be sepsis that's when she said the sepsis <laughs> and I was like oh my god blood poisoning I'm like I know someone who's died from that I was like oh my god I'm gonna die it was awful and she was like oh I've scared you just she was like, she's like I've scared you I don't I don't mean to scare you I'm just saying get to the hospital now I'm like if <laughs> she's like if you're gonna die instantly I would call an ambulance but I'm just saying don't leave this for two days get the treatment now you're young you'll be able to fight this off and I was like oh my god she's like gearing me up to like fight off a serious illness and I, I, in my head I'm like this is why I keep getting this infection this is why um my body couldn't regulate the milk properly this is why I've been so sick because I didn't know what was going on I didn't know like I didn't know which symptoms belonged to what category I didn't know what was normal postpartum I didn't know what was normal for breastfeeding I didn't know what was you know I just didn't know what was normal and I was like feeling all these things all over the place all these all this pain all this tiredness all this sickness and I was like oh my god this is the reason I have a, a serious infection I'm I'm really sick and this doctor's after telling me this and I should have came to the doctor sooner and oh my god ah Oh, it was horrible. And then we like raced to the to Connolly because Hollister Street wouldn't see us anymore. And uh, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do when I, when I got there? We were doing like breathing techniques in the car, alms and all. And uh, oh, it's actually it's like traumatizing talking about this. It was so scary thinking that you're going to die. Anyway, <laughs> like, and when we got to the hospital, I was like, what am I going to do with Eve? I have to breastfeed her every hour and a half. She's never had a bottle when you go into A&E, you could be there all night and I breastfed her in the car, changed her nappy in the car. And when I went into the hospital, I got to triage and I just lost it. I was like, my adrenaline was so high. I was talking to the triage nurse and I was like, I've got all the symptoms of mastitis. And she said that I have sepsis and I'm going to die. Oh, can I see a doctor? And I don't know what to do. And I, I can't give her a bottle and my baby's going to starve. And I can't. And some, someone said, oh, you're going to be here for... Uh, oh actually when I went in she said oh because she's like you do have all the symptoms of mastitis she was ca she calmed me down a lot she was like you know your feet you do have a fever but that's a symptom of mastitis a low grade fever um, obviously your um, blood pressure is, is a bit higher because you just you're under a lot of stress um, and the doctor scared you and she's like you know I, I know that if I gave you paracetamol in like an hour or two your fever will come down your everything will relax your um your 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 oxygen your blood is going around faster to try and fight off the infection that's what happens when you get an infection all this and i was like oh 
okay, I'm not going to die. Okay. And then, but then she said, because you have a fever, we're going to have to do, even though it's, I know it's connected to this, the protocol is because of COVID, you're going to have to get a COVID test. I'm going to have to isolate you for a day or two days or whatever it was. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing that. I was like, no, now that I know that I'm not going to die, you're going to have to give me a doctor now to give me the antibiotics just to write it up or else I'll just go to my normal doctor on Monday and get them and just try and fight it off till then because oh, there's no way I'm staying here. It's so dangerous anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're saying that there's this dangerous disease and I have a newborn. It's like, I'm not... Uh, anyway, they got the doctor. They gave me five days of antibiotics and I was like, Grant, get me out. I'm going home. Started taking them and was feeling better. But then I was like... Uh, I s- we saw a lactation specialist... Then on Tuesday, lactation consultant of the year 2018. <laughs> 2019, was it? Yeah, 2018. Uh, Fiona R- R- Ray. Yeah. Just in case anybody needs a really good lactation consultant, because she was amazing. She changed my life. Um, and also Kira's mom. She's uh, Anne Marie um, Smith in Ashburn. Uh, anyway, sorry. So we saw her on Tuesday, and I actually was seeing her because I was like, I need to stop breastfeeding now. I need to wean off because I have no. I I keep getting mastitis, and um, I've been so sick for six and a half weeks. I think maybe I was thinking of six and a half or seven weeks at that point. And I was like, there's no way that I can keep going like this. You know, um, I need to be able to do other things than lie down be sick and feed the baby i can't do this for a year or whatever um so anyway she came over for that intention and then she gave me so many answers and i was like oh my god why didn't i get this support and these answers and this information in the hospital before i left with the baby things would have been so smooth uh everything would have been so much easier um and I would have saved, it made me so angry because I was like, I have been sick and in pain and so emotionally broken for six or seven weeks. And it all could have been very easily solved with somebody who knows what they're talking about, to gave, who could have given me an assessment before I left. Or even a couple of days later when my milk came in and told me, this is where you're at. This is issue. These are issues that are going to happen if you don't do X, Y, Z, which they don't have in Ireland. You know, there's no, um, there's no, there's no sort of system like that where they assess the women, uh, give them even if they gave like a laminated sheet or something of like this is what to do if you've got this. This is what to do if you've got this, um, and a quick check that everything you're latching well. Like they don't do that, or come back in five days time like uh and make sure that you're what way your milk is or whatever i don't know like they they really need to get that it's really bad um and the fact that i went to a lactation consultant in the first week the fact that um i talked to the public health nurse about it i've been to um the jeep at that point i went to the gp three times like for the three week check the six week check and another time because i was like all over the place so i've been to gp three times public health nurse actually i went to the public health nurse nurse twice because she wanted to double check the weight and the jaundice for eve and the lactation consultant so many is that six but six different 
specialists, doctors who are supposed to support you. And once they hear, once they say, once they ask, how's it going? And you say, well, it's bit, it's sore and they just cut you off. They're like, yeah, no, uh, breastfeeding is sore. You know, that's it. And you're like, okay, I guess there's no sort of follow on from that. When I saw this lactation specialist, um, straight away she was like, breastfeeding shouldn't be painful. It is for most women because they're having issues and nobody will help them. Nobody has the information to help them. Uh, the do- there's no support there. We don't look at uh, women. We don't look at what you call it. We don't. We don't have our, our because we have such a low rate of ble- breastfeeding in Ireland. We don't see our mothers breastfeeding. We don't see our friends. We do like it's so such a small minority of women that do breastfeed, um, and even those women like <laughs> they're kind of like seen as. Oh, she's got notions because she's breastfeeding. You know, like that's what I felt like. I, I my mum was that way. In fact, I love my mum, but she was like, "Yeah, she can give the breastfeeding a go, but you know, like better off just doing it for a short period of time." Like, oh, what's that? Oh, what's going on there? You know. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the general attitude. Yeah, like it's di- like you know, people do bottles. Everybody does bottles, and then if you get if you're trying to do breastfeeding, they're like, "Oh, you hippie!" Like I've got I've got kind of a <laughs> mixture of like, "Oh, she's the, she's a hippie and she's into her health stuff," or else people were like, "Oh, she's like I got this feeling of like, oh, she thinks she's better than us or something." I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just they say it's the best, but at the same time, they like they say, "Oh, it's the best." They push. Breast, breast is best, breast is best. And you're like, okay, breast is best, better do that. And then another side of it is like, everybody's like, oh, you're breastfeeding, mm, you know? And you're kind of all over the place and uncomfortable because you're like, nobody else is breastfeeding and is it normal to do this? Or I can't ask people about that. Or like with postpartum stuff, you know, you're sore obviously after having a baby. But all the other women who have had babies know what that's like. Mm. And they all give advice or they say, I was there as well to try this, you know. Uh, things like going to the toilet after having a baby. I was like, I'm scared to go to the toilet. Um, what? Uh, but Fiona Ray, I think it's spelled R-A-E or R-E-A, mm. she checked for tongue tie. And that I'd never heard of that. Mm-mm. And I think they, they should check that. Well, I mean, not I think. Why don't they check that in hospital? Yeah, I know. I don't know why they don't. I don't know why the hospital are obviously understaffed. Um, so now understaffed, overworked, and also it's not a priority because you can use balls, you know, if it doesn't work. It's just breastfeeding is not like at the top of priorities, but um, they, I think the campaign, like I think it, it's really wrong in Ireland to be honest. Like I don't think it's very fair to have. Breast is best, breast, breast, breast is best, you know, campaign everywhere. And then at the same time, like kind of encourage pregnant women to do that when they have the baby and then give them absolutely no support. Because then they leave, it leaves you with a feeling of like, this is the best and I'm not giving my baby the best. Um, so I'm, I've failed at that and now I'm giving them something that's not that good. When you've got it in your head, breast is best. Um, but it's not the women's fault like it's not my fault it's not anybody who's tried breastfeeding and then had to stop because it's really really difficult and you can get really sick from it um like i got really sick um 
And mentally, you can get really sick from it as well. The right. lack of support. To be, I said this to my, I didn't say that. I said this to my mum the other day. Like, I was genuinely worried you were going to kill yourself. I mean, you said on more than one occasion, "I want to step out in front of a train, in front of a bus." I have that feeling. So I was thinking, right, I need to do everything I can to make sure I'm emotionally available, correct? <laughs> but you know, to listen and. I was thinking, so I, that's why I took a massive step back from my work um, and social media and all that kind of stuff so I could focus on you. Mm. Um, then the other thing I didn't anticipate was the transition between breastfeeding to bottle feeding. Mm. I thought it was just like, right, you know, just switch over. It's going to be handy enough. So, Yeah, like there's actually... There's so many things that go, there's so many different angles with breastfeeding, so many different possible, like phys- phys- physically, um, the pain was really difficult to manage. And you've got a really high pain threshold. Like, yeah, because I think I, I think I do because I've gone through that four times and I don't And when I saw the lactation woman, she was like, I've never met somebody who's had the so many mastitis infections uh, so close together most people would give up by this point but I was like I have to breastfeed I have to breastfeed so like the physical side of it was so so straining because I struggled with trush I struggled with mastitis I had blebs I had cracks and bleeding all this like long list of things and then you're feeding the baby round the clock like every hour and a half two hours three hours with no sleep at all and um, obviously not able to move your body you're you're sick for weeks so that side of things was a real struggle and the emotion side of it was a complete struggle because um (laughs) the emotional side of things was so hard because um you're fighting to do breastfeeding you're like breast is best breast is best um i have to push i have to keep going um I can do this and you're on a bit of an emotional roller coaster from not sleeping, your hormones being all over the place, wanting to do the best for the baby. Um, you know, fighting in so many ways because society doesn't breastfeed. You're like, I don't want to talk about problems to my mom because she'll be like, I'll just give it up, you know? Yeah. But there's no, there's no like, I have solutions. It's just like, oh, just give it up or put up with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like, the only person I could talk about this to is Kevin. And also because of coronavirus, like that's bad for your mental state as well. Like the lack of visitors, like you don't. You're like, you're like, I don't want anybody around because it's dangerous. Then, then nobody's around. You're like, I wish people were around. <laughs> you know, it's just like such a mess emotionally. And then um, the weaning, it was a whole other ball game. Like the, um, like it just it was just mad. Like, and I, uh, God, I got so many answers so late. And at that point, they were like, oh, y- if you do X, Y, Z, you'll be sorted in a couple of weeks or a month or whatever time. Uh, but at that point, I was like, oh, I can't do another month. What if I get, you know, oh, my God. But um, and we started to do all the stuff and it really helped. Like anybody who's breastfeeding or planning on breastfeeding should definitely get um, their child checked in the hospital for a tongue tie. Because that was the cause of all my problems. It was like the chain reaction is that the sentence the like that's the first step or something. i don't know whatever <laughs> the phrase is my brain is like broken um, chain reactions right chain reaction um like if because she had a tongue tie 
and because she had jaundice. Both both of these things set set, set a precedence of I don't know chain reaction sentence whatever that was. Uh, because she had the jaundice, I was like feed around the clock, feed around the clock. I'm breastfeeding is supply and demand, so I'm feed 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 feed, which is bringing more and more and more milk in. The fact that she had a tongue tie mean that she couldn't drain, like take the milk, extract the milk very well. And also she was like sucking in a weird way, which brought more milk in as well. Um, and also she wasn't full. She couldn't, she wasn't uh, full for a long time. So she was feeding in an hour, going again, in an hour, going again. All these things just led to the fact that um, I had too much milk. And then because I had too much milk that wasn't being drained, I was getting clogged ducts because I was getting clogged ducts I was getting mastitis again and again and again in a cycle and um, it took until 6-7 weeks for me to find this out this information if and the tongue tie we got rid of it um, it was like a nothing procedure like it was expensive to get done but it took like 5 minutes and she wasn't in any pain there was no, no issue with it at all um, and when we went to the um, specialist there for the tongue tie he was like you know, I normally let people know how much of a percentage this needs to be done. Is that that's not the right thing? How do I say that? How necessary. How necessary. Um and like my neighbour said that her brother went with her 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 brother went with his child and they said, Oh, it's not really necessary. We can do it if you want, fifty fifty chance, whatever, and they didn't get it done. And they told her, I don't know, whatever, seventy percent. And they told me 90% chance or 90% like you need to get this done yeah I can't use language anymore it's what happens when you have a baby it's like a side effect <laughs> <laughs> anyway so we got it done and um, then they gave us exercises and it'll take a couple of weeks for her to learn how to use her tongue get used to having a tongue like they did a test to show me that you how bad she is with her tongue by me putting my finger in her mouth trying to get her to suck on my finger and she couldn't she was like trying to bite him and she didn't know what to do like this is what she's doing to you when she's feeding so obviously that's why you've got all the damage that's why you've got the your milk isn't regulated even though it's six weeks and it should be regulated by now um so i had to get healed in loads of different ways even though i was on antibiotics for mastitis the five-day course the lactation consultant told me you need to get a minimum of 10 days. So I had to go back to the doctor to get that. I had to get treatment for um, the trush. I had to get um, the tongue tie done. And all these things were done. And I was like, you know what? I can continue with breastfeeding. But then a couple of days later, I started seeing red. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get my size again. And then she said, I got in contact with her and she said, you know you're at risk for it while your milk re-regulates so over the next couple of weeks you could get it again and I was like I'm out oh god like you, like you say I was like I'm gonna jump off a bridge at this point um because emotionally it's so damaging to go that long with no sleep and be sick and feel like you're failing the fe- the feeling was failure it's like I'm really trying and I'm really pushing through so much pain why is this failing um and then afterwards when i got all these answers i started doing all these things i just felt so much anger i was like oh my god why 
has all the support people let me down? Why have all the healthcare professionals let me down? The system just uh, just is broken. It's like really cracked. Um, no, I was going to make a joke there about <laughs> cracked like your nipples, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, seriously, like she was biting on your nipples instead of sucking, and that's the the, the a really important factor because if you would have checked, as you said, if it was t- tongue tied in the hospital, if they had checked that, that would have um, solved a lot of problems. That's that's the key. Can mm. the baby suck effectively, and everything else works? From, I mean, that's what it seems to be. I'm not an expert yeah. to me, but the transition from breastfeeding to bottles um i thought it was gonna be straightforward but i think see see the reason why this is where i come in i'd say like because i've been feeding the baby for the last three or three days or so maybe Mm. around the clock every feed and um the reason why that's important is because the baby has to be away from the mother because the baby can smell the mother's milk and also the mother produces milk when she's near the baby. <laughs> so that's one reason. Uh, so if it's for the baby's benefit, but they're not going to drink out of something that's plastic if they're used to a nipple. So that's the first challenge, right? The second challenge is that the mother is still producing milk, but the milk isn't coming out. So they're trying to express it uh, to take it out. So I didn't even think about it. I only thought about the first challenge really. And I was saying this to Pat yesterday, and I talked to <laughs> on the podcast about yeah, breast. That's <laughs> like I met John, my neighbour, the other day, and we were like just talking about breastfeeding on the street. I was like, "What the hell are we chatting about, oh. two fellas?" <laughs> but um, you were—I was really concerned for your mental health because you're never on your phone. You're hardly ever on your phone. That's what I really, one of the things I really like about you is that you just a lot of times you're like, oh, "I don't even know where my phone is." Like I don't, you don't take it with you to places, which is, I think, brilliant. It's actually just uh, like when we arsed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then every time you were supposed to be having a nap, I went, I'd peek my head in the bedroom and you had your, the the screen was bright against your face. You're looking on forums about um, breastfeeding. breastfeeding and uh, and then people are giving contrary arguments or contradicting arguments and you don't know who to believe. And then we, um, the game changer was your mum your sister and your cousin yeah because when you're trying to give your baby uh, a bottle it's really difficult because obviously you have the emotional detachment like okay i'm not going to give her the breast anymore and i'm kind of like breaking that bond and then you'll say like take this plastic because i've failed i feel like i failed at what i'm supposed to do as a mother and the baby won't take it and they're like screaming and we've never heard Eve scream she's like a little angel and um, so then you feel like you're torturing them because they're like ah, I'm trying to want you to get out of that to take it out of their mouth and you feel like you're then force feeding them almost it's really di- like it's really difficult it's a horrible you feel like you're, yeah you're torturing your own kid and it's the first time you ex- see the kid in that much discomfort because mm. she's she has been a trooper since she's been born mm. But it just showed me the power of community and family. Like mm. you can read all the stuff you like online, and people that we had some great people advising us and did brilliant. But then when family come round, not that they did it because it was lockdown, so obviously we met in the park. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we brought a canopy with us, and it worked yeah. out fine. Um, so we, um, it, it, Rachel's mum, 
and sit the granny they're all you're all very close family and your mum fed eve and it was like she fed you growing up mm. so that lineage yeah. is just like has been happening since the beginning of time yeah uh sisters aunties cousins getting involved uh helping the mother out yeah. and you you cannot replace that so i i think that um that was a f- absolute game changer i mean oh. you bored your eyes out i i found it very difficult to watch um your mum feeding eve but your mum was just something my neighbor john said he said we tried everything we read all the forums we did all the you know the psychology things about trying to entice them into it and stuff and try this try that be gentle and then he's saying his his mum came around so the granny and basically just like look take the bottle and eventually <laughs> they'll just get used to it you know yeah. and it worked oh my god because the agony breastfeeding oh my god that's just taken up all the time all all of it ate everything away because it was like for ages it was like why am i sick what's this and then it was like you say i couldn't sleep even when i was trying to get a nap it was like i'm looking at something on my phone it was basically my life i felt like life was feed eve um google how to deal with the pain or how to deal with the emotional pain what's normal what's this what's that or how to how to do this how to do that and then uh how then eat and uh, or whatever go to the toilet and then feed her again and it was just cycle after cycle and you know maybe get half an hour sleep here and there Mm. i don't know (laughs) um and then when and then the thing about it is nobody talks about weaning at all and that was like that's something i never would have thought about at all like and (laughs) it's actually like that was the biggest challenge i think well one of the biggest challenges i can't remember anymore too tired (laughs) to think back on everything that's happened but uh that's what everybody says they're like oh yeah give breastfeeding a go and if it doesn't work you can always stop like like it's that easy you can always stop like i'll just you know give her uh uh the breast anymore i'll give her a bottle and my milk will magically disappear Mm -hmm. and um it's not like that at all the fear oh my god the fear of actually weaning because i was prone to getting this mastitis which is you have too much milk that's not being taken away i was like and this is with the baby feeding it's like when i take the baby away she's not going to be feeding and uh what's going to happen to that milk am i going to get mastitis and then if i get mastitis do i have to start from scratch because the treatment is to get the baby to feed i was like what am i going to do um and then also the emotional side of it like i'm giving up on this and i've tried so hard like doing that for anything is hard like trying really hard to work towards an exam and then getting an f is like oh my god this is so disheartening and crushing to have worked so hard and then not saw it to the end and then to do that in um in a situation that involves your newborn baby is really difficult to come to terms with and there's a lot of like going back and forth and getting support and you know i got this fire and a lot of people don't and you've had problems and you've tried your best and all this you know and anybody that does it for five minutes i think is a hero or even if they don't do it you know there's not 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 much support anyway so i think it's fair enough that people don't do it here um or choose not to do it like it's hard enough having a baby but anyway so there's like that side of it and so the physical side the the guilt side the mom guilt and then all the hormones on my side, because your hormones are what create the milk. 
stopping breastfeeding you just get like a plum your hormones plummet this way and we're laughing at the start like oh you're inconsolable and then 10 minutes later you're skipping down the road it's like extreme mood swings and with the hormones as well like i'm getting like small little spots and i'm exhausted and it's like going through puberty or something it's like insane on your body the exhaustion and that and then the other thing that i never even would have considered is eve didn't want to have a bottle like you say oh my god every day like a week long of trying to get her to have a bottle was ridiculous like it was so and she's screaming and then that feeds into the guilt of like oh i should be doing this and if she's screaming because she hates it and she hates me and our bond is broken and it was horrendous and you we have like organic milk uh formula <laughs> the best bottles you can get like the perfect ones the ones that are, you know it's all been researched so and we, well did, researched. we did everything and we're home obviously all the time with the kid mm. so we've done everything we, we we think was right um and tried so hard and looked up everything how to get them to take a bottle yeah. we'll do it gentle we'll do it um just put it in her mouth you know mm. to two options yeah the feeder when she's not too hungry so she's not stressed yeah, feed yeah. her when she's starving because then she'll definitely take it do uh feed them when they're standing up feed them when they're sitting down rock them just whatever make sure the man does it and you're not in the house or yeah yeah all these things for and, a week and we've got a dog as well who's like barking all the all time, time. Oh. i mean we love him and we sound like right moan bags don't we <laughs> i know but i think it's important because as i've said many times the beautiful thing about doing long-form content podcasts is that you can put life in context yeah. a bit more to say we're very lucky i mean i feel the luckiest man in the world to mm. have you have eve have a and even our little dog our family the whole lot right extended family as well but you know it's been real hard like there's been tears almost every day and um nights of like not sleeping but um but, then, but the sleep thing is nothing. I mean, yeah. I, I think the sleep, that's fine. Just You just soldier on. You get sleep when you can. It's fine. It's all the other stuff we're talking about now. Like all this stuff going on and everybody's like, oh, by how many hours sleep did you get? I was like, I don't know. That's the I last thing I think about. <laughs> I mean, I obviously, care. nothing is. My, my worry, I, I mean, I've been fine. Obviously, nothing's happened to me physically because I'm not doing anything. It's all been rage. But yeah, my concern's been, been yeah, you, you know, because stress. you hear awful. Th- and also this thing of baby blues, it's, it makes it sound kind of cute. It's depression. <laughs> yeah, it's a pastel colour. That's what yeah, you keep saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby blue sounds <laughs> really... It's, again, it's a way of, like, lightening the mood of something that's very heavy because people think, I'd rather talk about the weather or coronavirus or something like this because uh, it's just, I don't want to get uh, heavy with people. Yeah. But that's the conversations we need to have. Otherwise, mm. you feel like you're going mad and you're the only person involved in it. Because um, that's what I felt. I was like, I'm going mad because... I was like, women breastfeed and fill their babies are tree. I was like, how did they do this? Yeah. And uh, cause I, for eight, for weeks, it was like, oh, yeah, you get over the pain, you know, before I got the answers. I was like, how did they put up with this pain for this long? Yeah. Not knowing that I was actually quite sick. Anyway, um, but then, yeah, like my mom came and I was like, I was actually, I was annoyed. I remember being annoyed because she said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll feed her. I'll get her to feed, like in a text message. And I was like, it's not that easy. How dare she? Mm. And we've been doing this all week. Oh, she's going to get a shock now. <laughs> I'll yeah. show her. Um, and then she came and Eve cried for a few minutes, but then she actually took it. And then just like, it was like a puddle on the ground. I was like, oh my yeah. God. I just couldn't stop crying. I was like hyperventilating. I think the stress like reached that point and then mm-hmm. it was like things started to work. And then my sister stayed, oh, and Chloe, my cousin, oh my God. In the park? 
Yeah, we, we stayed overnight in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and they did all the feeds, all the night feeds. And I, um, well, I didn't actually get sleep because I was dealing with the engorgement of not breastfeeding. Which was a whole thing. And I'm only like starting to come true. You have to express a little bit and you basically can't express too much because you don't want to teach your body to keep making milk. Mm. But you have to express a little bit so that you don't get too engorged and clogged and get mastitis again. So it's a very delicate balance doing that. And it's been almost a week. I still have it like a little bit. But anyway. Um so they stayed which was amazing they were so good and Kevin's been doing it since and the bottles have worked ever since and I just yeah the power of family like you say you know this is the generations before they know they've had babies before they like you Google you can't Google life experiences life oh, experience Rachel Kinnan 2020 <laughs> there's an old African proverb it takes a village to raise a child yeah and that's true you can have that one for free there you go um, any f- any because um, she's probably due another feed is she? What time is it? Uh, twenty. It's twenty-five past four. Twenty-five past four. But um, go on. Anything else, Rach? Any pearls of wisdom? Any other thing? Any other FYIs? So, sorry. Yeah, I've low. I've actually loads. We have to do another podcast about this because I've not even like tipped the ice. Oh, we've really? Only, we've only talked about breastfeeding. There's like loads of other things that have <laughs> going on. But uh, yeah, right. Just in terms of breastfeeding, um. Anybody who's going to start breastfeeding and listening to this, 100%, make sure you get the tongue tie checked. Another thing is, um, feed like feed them regularly, but don't like force feed them non-stop because that's going to bring in more milk, which is what happened to me. I was like, John, this will feed, 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 feed. I, di- I didn't have a break from it and that made it worse as well. So just feed them every, whatever it is, two or three hours um, and don't force any more than that. And also... If you're prone to get prone to getting, uh, if you have an oversupply, um, at the start, like I don't really know anything about undersupply, like not making much milk. That's to do with pumping and stuff, treating that. But if you have an oversupply, um, take sunflower lecithin. It is a game changer. Mm. It like makes your l- milk less sticky, so it doesn't stick to the ducts and cause clogs. I would actually say like, it, and there's no harm in it because it's actually just a food so- source. It's not like, you know, a medication. You just like put a spoonful into your yogurt or something, um, once a day to prevent clogs because pl- clogged ducts are so sore. Um, and if you have get mastitis, do it like three or four times a day, and it gets rid of them. Really, really works. I would definitely get that before having a baby mm-hmm. or before breastfeeding uh, also um, if you are weaning uh, take Sudafed which is kind of weird like and put loads of cold cabbage leaves in your breath <laughs> um, god like oh, cabbage well, I'm actually sick because I've cabbage I've stopped using it now because I think I'm starting to get like a bit of a rash from having cabbage for like eight days mm. <laughs> like different ones obviously I change it but uh, Kevin kissed me the other day and was like oh, your breath tastes like cabbage and I was like I feel so broken don't even say this to me so sad mm. um, but anyway the Sudafed was a game changer and so was the lectin and what was the other thing just in terms of uh, oh and also this is huge if you have like loads of nipple pain you can get this cream prescribed by your doctor called apno cream 
and apparently loads of doctors don't even know about it because they're not like very well educated like they're obviously educa- educated but breastfeeding isn't probably coming in with problems or whatever like i wouldn't get lanolin cream like that does help but this stuff is like amazing it's like antibacterial antifungal only certain pharmacists make it up um because it has to be made from different things and it really really works if you've got like cracks or problems or whatever um so those three things are like you know get them and like if you have issues and you have pain that's not normal you know because when i started to get it sorted i was like you know this is the way it should be fair enough you're going to get engorged at the start when the milk comes in for a couple of days but you should not have so much that much pain there's something wrong mm. and get a specialist to come like it's expensive but it's so worth it it's mm. wor- I like i think she was 150 euro or something and i was like i'd pay i don't know 1500 or whatever mm-hmm. for her because it really gives you so much a sense of ease so i would say those things about breastfeeding <laughs> and if people, we'll do another podcast about it but if people um want to contact you can they yeah of questions? course yeah i actually have like this really weird wealth of knowledge about breastfeeding because like you say i was on my phone researching 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 trying to talk to anybody i could find who's breastfed before and what their experiences were like and going to all these different places to try and like get nuggets and nuggets of knowledge but um so obviously i'm not a specialist or an expert but I can give whatever advice I have if anybody needs it because I do think it's really important for women after they have a baby especially now because it was hard to even get a consultant to come face to face everything is done on zoom which is like mm, like you're already vulnerable and embarrassed and shown like a a part of your body that you don't normally show (laughs) via a webcam like it just doesn't anyway so yeah so we'll do another podcast about this um i mean who would i know this is a big mess (laughs) it's probably a big mess of a podcast i'm gonna call it i'm gonna call it breasts and cabbage Ah. i am yeah i've realized i'm too safe with my titles and they're kind of boring titles i'm gonna make my titles a bit more eye-catching kind of blind Uh. blind boy star but um i think the next podcast would be a happy podcast because there's actually loads of good things that oh yeah yeah. there's loads of good things but is there only the bad things are actually more helpful i think yeah but there's no. been there's been loads of good things there's been good things oh great loads of great great fantastic things but again you know the, i think the, the negative stuff is the stuff you really learn from um so let's i'll prepare the bottles and stuff we'll prepare the bottles um so that's it all right yeah okay. Any, anything, yeah. El- anything else uh no <laughs> 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 all right cool uh, Done. okay see ya <laughs> <laughs> let's go downstairs <laughs> thank you so much for experiencing that podcast if you'd like to support it you can go to kevinballyoga.ie forward slash membership and try out my movement meditation platform next week or next episode I have a monster lined up. Not an actual monster, but a monster of an episode solo myself. I've been I've been getting questions from people or more so ideas for subject uh, for episodes and some been deep ones, some deep topics. So I'm I've I'm actually writing the episode first as in ideas because I'm reading a lot more now 
and it's going to be how to transform yourself, which sounds real heavy. But the brilliant thing about um, these type of top topics is that it encourages you to me to read more as well, because I'd like to keep it light-hearted and fun, but I also would like to actually help <laughs> and uh, share knowledge that has really helped me. So yeah, next episode is going to be how to transform yourself. If that's available now, you can scroll to it and, and enjoy it. And uh, thanks so much for listening to that. I know it was long form. That's an hour and a half of, um, of listening. I hope you enjoyed warts and all, the whole lot. And feel free, please, to get in touch. Share this with a friend. And uh, hopefully it helps. Okay, have a lovely day, night, evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Much love.